Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and joining me today is Callie Yost, founder and CEO of Flex Strategy Group, to discuss whether boards truly comprehend the new reality of the where, how, why, when, and what of work, and the areas they, along with their management teams, may need to consider when building a sustainable strategy for employee re- attraction and retention. Today's guest, Callie, is the leading authority on high-performance work flexibility. A visionary workplace futurist, strategist, author, and keynote speaker, Callie founded and serves as the CEO of the Flex Strategy Group, a solutions company helping organizations, including BDO, Quest Diagnostics, Con Edison, Memorial Sloan Kettering, Freddie Mac, the UN, and prestigious universities, the likes of Columbia, NYU, and Stanford, unlock performance and engagement by reimagining how, when, and where work is done. She was a former commercial banker who approaches flexible work transformation as a strategic business imperative. She has been one of the most sophisticated thinkers on the transformation of work by the New York Times. Her commentary frequently appears in the media, including in the Wall Street Journal, the Harvard Business Review, USA Today, NPR, as well as the Today Show. Callie has penned two books, Tweak It, Make What Matters to You Happen Every Day, and Work Life, Finding the Fit That's Right for You. She serves on the board of a local YMCA in New York City. Callie, welcome to BDO in the boardroom. Hi, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really excited that you're here, and I know... um, In full disclosure, you are working with BDO on on a few things for us, Um, so we'll we'll kind of work that into our conversation. But I wanted to, you know, start off briefly with how you got focused on the concept of flexibility in the workplace, and perhaps you can define for us how you view flexibility. So my journey, um, the my flexible strategy journey, flexible work strategy journey, began 27 years ago. I just did the math the other day, actually. And it happened um, when I was a banker, a a junior manager in training at a commercial bank, and we had a portfolio of customers who were closely held companies. And actually, this is when I first met BDO, was back in the early 90s when um, my closely held company clients were represented by accountants like BDO, but they didn't have audited financial statements. So the relationship between the banker and the customer it was very, very important to be able to lend money and to do business with them. So when we would lose somebody, usually because they needed flexibility, and again, this is the mid-90s, it would put our business at risk because that relationship would disappear. So I, as a junior, again, manager in training, no preconceived notions of how you have to lead, I would say to my leadership, why don't we just let them work from home? Why don't we just let them shift their hours so they can continue to work for us and serve our customers. Well, and this is, there were no cell phones, there were no laptops. 
my leadership just thought I was nuts. And it turns out at the same time, there was this emerging, very new, innovative focus on flexibility in the way work was being done in think tanks, usually academic think tanks. And I started following everything these groups were doing. And finally, one day, long story very short, I went into a customer to introduce myself for a banker who had left because she could not find flexibility. And he looked at me and said, this is a mistake because in my organization, we give people flexibility. And I bet you think I'm a great guy. Nope, I'm a smart businessman because guess what? They stay with me forever. And I knew in that moment, this is the future. I wanted to be part of it. Left banking, went to Columbia Business School and started working for one of these think tanks in 1995. And that's where it all started. And I'm here with you today, 27 years later. Um, can't believe it took a pandemic to actually begin to have organizations understand that this is a strategic imperative that not only can benefit their people, but their organization. Um, but grateful now I can bring all that experience to the table and move organizations forward now. Well, I, I have a lot in common. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. And I think it was in the, the late 90s when I actually took on a flexible work arrangement um, two employers ago, but same profession. And I was able to build a very successful career being flexible and working remotely and doing a whole bunch of things that you know, enabled me to to do both, to have a big family and to also balance a, a really rewarding career. So I really appreciate the conversation today. So, so let's shift to the present historical disruption into how organizations from large corporations down to the smallest of entities have had to adjust to a rapidly changing work environment. And perhaps you can describe what this, I guess, quote unquote, new world of work really is. So, Amy, let me first go back to the second part of the first question that you asked me, which is how do I define flexibility? And to me, flexibility really is a flexible, dynamic way of operating your business across workplaces, spaces, and time with strategic coordinated intentions so that you can achieve high levels of performance and engagement. So to me, it's a flexible operating model. And this new world of work, essentially what happened in the pandemic is the traditional place-based model of work, was, which was already disappearing before the pandemic, it essentially just completely obliterated what was left of it. And what we now know is workplaces are enablers of work, but they're no longer the enabler of work. So now how do we organize our work? If it's not organized around this place, what does that look like? And the new reality of work is we have to organize it around the work itself. And by doing that, you are able to not only achieve the operational resilience that we were able to experience in the pandemic, but you are able to attract and retain your talent in a much more dynamic, flexible way, your story being case in point. Now, I will tell you, it was unusual. You were very unusual to be able to do what you did so early on. And it really is um, a testament to your ability to say, hey, probably this is what I need and let me work with you and let's partner. But now this is a whole workforce management strategy. And that for boards is becoming even more important for a couple of reasons. One, 
Institutional investors now understand that human capital metrics are a key part of how they have to value organizations because some, I saw some statistic now that 17% of assets in an organization are now hard assets, something you can actually touch and measure. Most of it is really this intangible around human capital. And so they are looking at this new world of work because it's so valuable to people. And that goes back to ESG metrics, which is not just the environment, because flexibility really does contribute to your organization being able to environmentally achieve ESG goals, but also from the S part, the talent part, the way you handle, you treat your people, the way you develop them, the way you compensate them, the way you train them, all of, and DEI goes into all of that. And that's the S. And then the G is around how you consistently execute your human capital strategies and how you consistently execute the environmental aspects of how, when, and where you are working. And then finally, I'll wrap up with this new world of work allows you to sustain that resilience. Now, I will go back to BDO since full disclosure, we are, <laughs> I do work with BDO and have worked with you, I will say, to BDO's credit for over a decade. You have been at this reimagining how, when, and where you work with strategic intention for a very, very long time. And because of that, you had enough of that muscle that when the pandemic hit, all it took for you was a 15-minute switch over in your servers, and you were able to adapt how you were planning, coordinating, and executing your work with each other when going to a pretty intensely full-time remote model. Now you're in the process again of saying, all right, let's reset. What does this look like on the other side? But it is a strategy. It is how you're operating the firm, and that's really where organizations are in this new world of work. What are the new parameters? How do we put them in place? And then how do we really use it to achieve not only our talent objectives, but all these other business objectives as well? Yeah, no, very well said. And I think one of the big things that you're probably going to highlight, I think, in, in our next discussion is really, I think you, you said something earlier about, you know, it was kudos to me, but really it was kudos to the leadership that I worked for because what they were expressing was the values of the company in creating a place where their employees could do well, their customers could do well. And that's kind of what it's all about. And I think that underscores everything. And I love, I love your thoughts on that. So I actually, absolutely. Um, strategic flexibility that is part of your culture, the way you work here, really does allow an organization to live its values, but you have to have a clear set of values in order to be able to align this new way of working to that model. Um, so I do think that what this is challenging organizations to do is to say, are we living our values? Are we putting them into practice in terms of how, when, and where we not only support our people, but then how, when, and where we are serving our customers, how, when, and where we are serving our communities. What does that look like? And in other words, you're leading with the what. You're not leading with the where. When you lead with your values, you're leading with what do we need to do. Then you're deciding how, when, and where do we do that best. And a lot of organizations are getting stuck right now, case in point, Apple, that's making all sorts of headlines <laughs> because they're leading with the where. And then they wonder why people are struggling. They're like, we've worked 
in a such a radically different way for so long. Why are we coming back? And there's no good answer other than, okay, we just need to use our building. Okay, well, that's not living your values. Using our building is probably not one of your values. Now, maybe one of your values is we, we value in-person interaction. Okay, that's a value and, and that's fine. But then how, when, and where do you do that best in a way that supports your talent and, and allows the other aspects of the job to get done? That's what moves you forward. That's, that's productive. So aligning the way you work with your values really is an important part of it for sure. That's great. So, so maybe in your experience, what else should companies be doing to ensure that they're creating a more flexible work environment to achieve the goals of attraction and retention, but really continue to allow for the efficiency and effectiveness of the business? Obviously, you're, we're still in business here, and, and that's that's the goal of any business, right? So can you maybe elaborate on some of the, your thoughts there? So first and foremost, um, I think there is a tendency to look at this as an HR policy. And absolutely, HR plays a role in that they are really the keepers of the culture. And they're going to let you know that the employee experience really has to align with what the market is looking for in terms of what attracts them to an organization and what makes them stay. But more than that, it really has to be a complete C-suite transformation you have to not only have HR, you have to have technology, you have to have facilities, and you also have to have the business leadership sitting around the table together and saying, all right, based upon what it is we need to do, how are we taking the best of the lessons that we learned during the pandemic? Because some things went really well. We learned some things we didn't think were possible before. But then how do we add back those things that matter? Maybe there does need to be more in-person interact, in interactivity, maybe with junior talent that wants to have some of that face-to-face. -face. How do we keep our culture strong? What does that look like? So again, that leads the discussion around that table. And then those, those people all together say, okay, so how, when, and where do we do this? What do we have to do to make sure that our people have the training that they need to be successful? in this new flexible way world that we are living in? What do we need to do to make sure they have the technology they need to support the effective coordination across all these different dimensions? And boy, we may not need the exact same type of physical place and space that we had before. How does that have to adapt? What does this mean in terms of where we can source talent? Do we have a wider circle we can pull from? And if we are pulling from that wider circle, what does that look like? What does compensation have to be? All these questions go into developing and then executing a model and then really allowing for room for experimentation and innovation. I will say, um, you know, Amy, again, to pull in BDO, I think your leadership of the firm has really been supportive of let's just start trying things. Let's start thinking about what this looks like next. And what that does, is it gives permission for teams because again, one size isn't gonna fit all across the whole organization, for teams to follow a consistent process for thinking this through, but then being able to figure out what that's gonna look like within their particular business and for their reality, and then experiment with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I think over the years, one of the things that, that I've found, and one of the things that I usually kind of say, say to folks when they're thinking about, well, you know, I, I'd like to, discuss a flexible work arrangement with you. And I'm like, that that's fine, but understand that flexibility is kind of a two-way street. So the fact that you're asking for flexibility is great, 
let's try it out and see that, make sure it works for the whole team. Um, but to your point, it's, it's recognizing from a broader aspect that we have to be willing to, and I think the words you use was, you know, the, you need the permission and the space to the experiment and innovate with this, right? Yep. And you need you need to you need to have those check-in points to make sure that this is working for everybody. Absolutely. So I, I think that's the critical aspect. It's almost like a, a contract between individuals that we're going to try this out and we're going to tweak it if it isn't working, and we're going to continue to try to make this beneficial to everybody. But the companies that that, that I feel are doing the best job and are and are resulting in you know happy employees that want to run the course and, and are loyal to the companies are those that are really communicating well about how things are going and have realistic expectations too about yep. how flexible can you actually be right exactly and that's why it has to work for a particular business like you have to make sure this makes sense for the jobs people have and the cl- the customers and this and the clients you're servicing and you're right. It really has to be about you were leading with the we, right? What is what do we need to do, and how and where do we need to do it best? And then at, after that's established, then you as an individual can say, okay, based upon that, that those parameters that we've set, that makes sense. Now, how do I fit my work and life together within that, and partner with my my organization to make sure it's a win win for both of us? But that takes skill. That takes knowledge and tools. And um, just the ability to navigate that, and that's the training I think has to happen in most organizations that really isn't right now. And so that's a next step as well. Gotcha. So we spent a lot of time on this program in particular talking about smaller companies, but I do want to ask a question because it could be applicable to smaller companies, particularly because we're in such a growth phase, M&A transactions, you know, just bringing in all types of you know, other other folks into your fold. So how can you scale this approach if you're a larger organization or an expanding organization or a changing organization, which many, many companies find themselves in, particularly on the heels of, of the COVID disruption? So I think first you want to make sure your senior leadership is aligned around not only what is flexibility to you, you want to define that. How does it support your values and how does it align with the type of work that you're doing? So define that as best you can, and then make sure your leadership team, no matter the size of your company, is bought in. And because all you need is that one person that's just not into it, and you know they're going to derail it for everybody else. So you really do have to make sure your leadership team understands what this is and why it's important from the broader perspective than just people, because the minute a recession starts to hit, they're gonna be like, great, so you know what, we don't want you to do this anymore, so let's just wrap this up and go back to the way we did things before, because you haven't made the case. Actually, we should be leaning into it now, because this will help us actually make it through the recession even stronger than we were before, because we can be creative and flexible about how we manage our talent through the recession, okay? So that's step one. Step two is then you wanna have a structure. You want to have some consistent process for approaching this question. What do we need to do and how, when, and where do we do it best? And make sure that you have trained your managers to engage in this discussion with their teams from a consistent standpoint. Make sure they have the skills to not only manage, because managers now have to manage. That's one of the other pieces of this that I think is, I like to say, flexibility causes the ocean to go out. (laughs) 
And all of a sudden you see all the stuff on the ocean floor, like the person who really isn't managing and we're not setting clear priority, you know, um, clear gauges for performance and clear priorities, all those basics of management have to happen. But then they also have to be comfortable leading a team across all these different dimensions, people they may not see every day. They have to be comfortable with technology. So we have to train them to lead. And then we also have to train our people how to be that good partner, be intentional about what they're doing and planful about how, when, and where they're doing it best too. So you've got to train people, you have to give them the technology, and you have to continue to experiment and learn and share best practices and continually improve. And again, make this a fundamental way your organization operates. It is not a policy that sits out oversight over there outside of the business. It really is your organization. And I'm going to say something about small pe- small organizations. You actually can do this faster and better. Bigger organizations, it's harder. And when you put those parameters in place, when you put that structure in place, when you give your managers that training, when you give the, your people those skills, you can actually execute on it much, much faster. So culturally, bigger companies are harder to shift. So take advantage of that and use it to maybe get a leg up on some of your competitors and be more nimble and agile in terms of how you respond to this new reality of work. Yeah, no, that's great, great points. And one of the things I think you mentioned when we first were talking about this idea is seeing the need to, I guess you were saying innovate, but really to change. So it's almost change management is, is an aspect of this. hundred percent. You might have to change your schedules for certain things that you're doing. Maybe you have a call center that maybe isn't going to function a hundred percent if you have people flexing. So you're going to have to rethink that. You may have production schedules, other, other things that go into this overall strategy that you've, you've been sharing. So I, th- I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's multidimensional. I guess. It is absolutely. It's it's <laughs> the way I like to talk about it is it's workplaces, workspaces. It's also time. It's not you know you have to when are we when are we connecting with each other? When are we communicating? What are those boundaries? It's the, your work processes. Those will often adapt, and also the pace of work is. Are there different cycles throughout the year that you can have your people work differently? And all of those things together, and the technology, of course, is part of that as well really does go into creating the model in terms of how your organization is gonna operate. All right, so my last question for you, because this is a governance podcast, is so in the companies where you're executing flexible work strategies and they've been highly successful, how have you seen the board function? So what were the common leadership attributes, approaches, mindsets that you've identified? So I'm gonna start with what boards are not, effective boards are not doing right now. And what they are not doing is they are not putting pressure on the leadership team. When are people coming back to the office? Um, the places I'm seeing have the most difficulty is when the board is putting a lot of pressure around that, that goal. And the leadership team knows that is not realistic. And so don't do that. Be open. This then gets to what you they are doing which is they're acknowledging this is a new reality. And many of them are acknowledging this was not something we experienced in any meaningful way. And they're taking the time to try to educate themselves and learn what this is all about, where we are potentially going, and they are offering senior leadership that support to be innovative, to reimagine how, when, and where their organization is operating, and also making sure that 
it is an all suite, all C-suite effort. It isn't just the HR person presenting to them and saying we have a policy, our back to office policy. They're saying they're they're pushing harder and saying it's got it's more than that. We really have to rethink work on the other side. So those are the two things I'm not pressing back to the office, but also knowing, hey, this is a new reality and we have to support our leadership in executing it. Yeah, and I think we've seen a lot of this activity, particularly at the board level, you know, making its way into the compensation committee. And you can see that by a lot of the name changes you're seeing in proxy statements and other filings where the compensation committee is now called the Compensation and Human Capital Committee or or names of those um that nomenclature. So, you know, I, I think this is really a movement that's taking hold. And I think if you think about, you know, we didn't talk about kind of the generational pressures that, you know, have, have arisen prior to the pandemic and all of the other things that have kind of all led up to this perfect storm, if you will. But I, I think that the savvier boards are really embracing this as an opportunity to really rethink and reimagine how they're transacting their business and helping management come up with those strategies that can really help move the the company forward and especially in the retention and attraction of talent, which has become a a major, major strategic emphasis for companies. So indeed. All right. Well, Callie, it was so nice to speak with you today. Glad to have you on the program. Hope you'll come and join us again. Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. It was my pleasure. All right. And thank you to our audience. And please stay tuned for the next episode of BDO in the Boardroom. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at BDO.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit BDO.com slash BDO Knows Governance.